If you're not unlocking the full value of your SaaS, what are you doing? There is no denying it. SaaS is mission critical to your company's growth and success. And as the number two operating expense for most organizations, it's your biggest opportunity to save money and drive efficiency. The time is now to do something about it. Please take this as your personal invitation to join me and your fellow IT, SAM, finance, and procurement leaders at SASME on May 16th, 2023. SASME is the industry's only dedicated SaaS management event where you can sharpen your skills, hear from your peers, and learn how to unlock value and responsible business growth through smarter SaaS management. It's virtual, it's free, and it's going to knock your socks off. Register today at sasme.com. That's S-A-A-S me.com. It's time to get your sassing gear. Are you with me? CPOs are saying, I need to be digital, not just because of what they want in terms of the better outcome, but because they know that for the organization of the future and to attract and retain talent, they need to be digital as well. Hello, hello, and welcome to SaaS Me Unfiltered, the SaaS management podcast, the show with give it to you straight, real life advice from pros knee deep in SaaS every single day. SaaS management superheroes just like you. Hello, we are back for another episode of SaaS Me Unfiltered. Very excited to have you join us today. I'm Corey Wheeler, co-founder and chief customer officer at Zylo. My guest today is the CEO of ProcureTech, a digital platform focused on building the digital future of procurement and co-builder of the ProcureTech 100 list with Carney, which is a list of the top 100 pioneering digital procurement solutions that are supercharging the enterprise. I love that. Over his career, he has worked across many industries with large enterprises like Nissan, Ernst & Young, Goldman Sachs, Jaguar Land Rover, Dyson, and many others. And in whatever spare time he might have, uh, he enjoys snowboarding and running, has two Spanish rescue dogs, and two kids as well. So welcome to the show, Lance Younger, CEO and founder of ProcureTech. Hi, Lance. How are you doing? Hey, Corey. Great to be here. Just a soundbite. I've just come back from uh, snowboarding and I managed to twist my ankle pretty badly. So I'm not doing any running at the minute either. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, that's the price you pay for being active and having awesome hobbies uh, to keep your time outside of work. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> well, before we jump into the interview, I'd love to get your take on something. We're calling this segment Hot Takes with Tom. Our colleague, Tom McCorkle, is going to share a Zylo point of view. And you tell us what you think, whether you agree or disagree and why. Uh, so are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Hot Takes with Tom, a give it to you straight point of view on SaaS management and optimization. Today's hot take is that companies must go back to the basics when it comes to spending money to fuel more responsible and sustainable business growth. Okay, I know you're thinking, Tom, isn't that something we should have been doing all along? Well, yeah. But to give everyone credit, the last few years threw a lot of leaders into a whirlwind of quick decision making. 
Let's rewind the clock a second to 2020 when all of this started. Companies were doing whatever it took to grow, to win, and even survive. Especially in the tech space, we were literally speeding around the turns without a brake pedal, transforming the digital workplaces overnight, buying SaaS like nobody's business, and overhiring and overspending on staffing. Now, I don't know any leader that wants to go into turn three at lightning speed and risk spinning out of control. That's why going into 2022, a lot of businesses started questioning this grow-at-all-cost mentality, and we saw a great rationalization begin to happen, first with software, then unfortunately with headcount. In 2023, smart business leaders will recognize the need to shift gears. They're going back to business fundamentals, applying the right amount of break to make their turn, grow smart, and lead their organizations to success. And heck, maybe even get a glass of cold milk to go with it. Uh, so I'd love your take on a responsible business growth versus the growth at all cost mentality. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the other aspect that's in the word responsible as well is that link back to sustainability as well. I think, unfortunately, I think there's still a lot of people taking those corners at speed. You know, you've got a lot of organizations that uh, through necessity, um, whether it's because of you know, supply chain crises or whether it's because of inflationary pressures or war, they're having to you know, take those corners at speed and prioritize certain activities um, over others. However, to balance that off, we are seeing a set of leading organizations that are either, they're either got a new set of business traits or behaviors, or they're already leaders. So organizations that have stayed true to good practices, responsible growth, deploying measured approaches, whether it be to what they spend and who they spend it with, um, through to organizations that are learning those new behaviors. Um, we've certainly found with uh, the organizations and the corporates we're dealing with, um, even over the last 12 to 18 months, they've become a lot smarter when it comes to how they go about uh, buying and working with uh, with suppliers. They've become more aware of the marketplace for solutions, and they've become more aware of the challenges it takes to kind of um, take them on board as well. So, you know, yes, uh, responsible growth is increasing, but I would still say it's still tough in the current environment. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, we've got lots of conversations with our customers applying new techniques, you know, really a new mentality around software procurement usage and, and the whole lifecycle management of all software assets. So backing up just a little bit, I had the good fortune of meeting you through involvement directly with ProcureTech. It's a really interesting organization. And you know, spending a career in procurement before Xylo is one that is not only interesting, but hits close to home. So if you could explain to the listeners a little bit about ProcureTech's vision and how you're enabling the future of digital procurement. Yeah, wonderful. I like that before silo, a little bit similar with me before ProcureTech. Um, I mean, my background is, is all procurement, um, like yours, you know, whether it's, you know, working with some of the big, you know, blue chip corporates, um, like Goldman Sachs and Nissan through to organizations like Deloitte and BCG and running my own startup as well. But the vision uh, behind ProcureTech comes from two big problem statements would exist in the market. Uh, the first is organizations are struggling to find the right match of digital procurement solution to their need, you know, for a number of different reasons. And then the second problem statement is basically that once they've found the match, basically they have struggled scaling. 
And that can be struggle scaling a startup, but it can also be trouble scaling a bigger organization because of uh, you know, adaptability, user experience of the platform as well. So we work with organizations on that match and on the scale. And there's three main communities that we deal with. One is corporates working on their digital procurement strategies, the selection of digital procurement solutions, building out their digital garages, but always working at it sort of digital first, data first, agile approach, lean in the way we approach. And then we work with digital solutions on their go-to-market strategies, on their basically research programs, and then getting a bit further and deeper into some venture studio work with them as well. And we bring that all together in the community. You mentioned the ProcureTech 100, you know, identifying the ProcureTech 100 pioneering digital solutions through to running uh, ProcureTech founders circle events and basically trying to sort of democratize the whole space. Because if you come back to the start, the problem statement with the match is unfortunately what people have been buying in the past has been based upon massive marketing budgets of the big companies. So you'd always pick the top 10 because their marketing budgets were the biggest. The analysts would only talk about them. Whereas what we want to be able to do is democratize data, democratize access to these different digital solutions. So you build the right portfolio of digital solutions to meet your business needs as well. Yeah, that's very well put. And I mentioned it in the introduction a little bit, but you've got an extensive background in procurement. We share that. You've worked at major global enterprises. So what was your specific experience within the digital procurement space? And how did that lead you to, to founding ProcureTech? And now how is that evolving as we stand in 2023? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a good, good analogy. And I should have, to be quite honest, realized this a little bit quicker because when I was at Deloitte, we spent a few years doing research, really good research on CPOs, you know, what are your challenges? How are you going to solve them? And we'd ask the same question every year about how are you going to realize your full ambition? And we'd always come back and say, well, we've got 60% below in terms of headcount and capacity. And it, the same stat would come back over and over again and kind of re- think to myself, well, hold on a minute. That's not going to change because procurement scope is increasing. You know, the people are great. They can't make a step change in their performance without digitalization. And so that was kind of one of the main tipping points, this kind of look, without digitalization, procurement can't realize their potential. So let's get involved in something that's going to do more digitalization. Now, I had a bit of a sidestep into BCG, did a lot of good organizational transformation, cost out, risk out but light on the digital. So that's why we came back to Procure Tech to basically address the, the match and the scale around digitalization as well. To your second point of the question, things have changed. You know what I mean? It's that that problem statement still exists, but a big thing has changed over the last five years is that if you asked five years ago for a, a SaaS procurement solution to help you manage the life cycle the solution, yes, granted, Xylo was there, but you, now there's, there's a few others out there. I, I'm sorry to mention it, but um, you know, undoubtedly one of the leaders out there. But that didn't exist. You know, it didn't exist. It exists at scale now, and you do the whole life cycle of what couldn't be done before, and it's done digitally. You know, it's closed loop. It's scientific. Yeah, so those are a couple of things that uh, I've noticed and the reasons why we're doing ProcureTech. It's fantastic. You know, certainly in the last five years, I think when we started to see innovation in the 2000s and the teens and coming into 2020, 
you know, a lot of that innovation really happens on the front end, on the revenue side of most organizations and CRM and sales processes and everything being very, very tied to revenue components within a business. To see the innovation now in procurement and finance, fintech and, and all across the previously back office types of functions, you know, the, these functions are now able to operate at scale to meet the business where they are and to handle the rapid pace. But that rapid pace of innovation in most organizations is very, very fast. So it's great to see procurement get some of that shine. Uh, certainly one of the things that we do here at Xylo. So on that point, procurement digitization, you talked about the perfect match and scaling. Can you go into that a little bit further around how ProcureTech thinks about both of those components? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, it, and uh, there are different perspectives as well. So the perfect match, you know, traditionally when people have been going out to find solutions, there's been an, a bias towards you know, the larger organizations and or going towards something which was a very detailed RFP or requirements um, specification. And what we do is we, we look at it slightly differently. We look for capabilities in an organization that not only lend itself to a match, but also a scale. As an example, you know, basically, yes, you can look at detailed feature requirements, but we tend to look at, okay, well, what's the engineering structure look like in a software business? You know, what's the depth of their engineering capability? What's the CTO like? Where did he come from? You know, what does the founding team look like? Um, how many patents have they submitted? So the raw capabilities of an organization that basically not only meet their current requirements, but also demonstrate the ability that they can scale. And then also, you know, every single organization is different. Every single organization has got a different kind of uh, ecosystem of digital solutions. And in some instances, you may want to augment an existing digital solution with another solution or with a data source to make it fully, fully powerful. For other solutions, it might be an end-to-end -end solution. So finding that match within an organization requires you to understand the organization and understand the capabilities that you're getting. And then when it comes to scaling, you know, the second part of it is, you know, yes, you select based upon the fact that they can scale, but you also need to work with the corporate to make sure that they can scale the organization. And that some of it's some of your basic change management activities but some of it's actually, and I find this not just in the digital space, but it's across procurement more broadly, is that buyers are very, very good at basically selecting, negotiating, and putting in place a solution. But when it comes to developing and growing a supplier, and that may be a digital one, it might be a supplier facilities management or marketing or whatever, it's a bit different skill set you need to be able to grow that organization. That challenge which exists in procurement is accentuated when you look at, can a procurement guy help a digital solution scale? It's a different skill set you require, you know, and, and those skill sets are in short demand. So, yeah, that's what we work on. Perfect match and helping organizations scale digitally um, as well. Jumping on that, I think procurement has been involved over the last couple of decades in 
defining requirements and buying software as a service. And now that SaaS and cloud are coming to procurement and impacting procurement, how have you seen that shift as procurement starts to adopt to those innovative, rapid, transformational types of projects to be able to select from a wider variety of tools and applications and be able to move quickly to manage even something as meta as uh, software management within a, a SaaS technology? Yeah. I mean, you've got two scenarios in reality, maybe maybe probably more, but if you take two extremes, you know, one example is basically when, you know, you've got an organization that's high growth, brand new, they're putting in a new team and they need to basically, yes, recruit the team, but also basically recruit the tools for that team as well. And arguably that's the easier scenario. You're building a team and you basically select a SaaS solution that's going to help them buy. It might be software, might be marketing, might be professional services. And that's the way of working from day one. You know, it's the way of working from day one. And that's easy. The other extreme, which is magnified if you're working in a large organization where they've got a, a seven-step methodology oh, yeah. that's embodied by yeah, 20,000 sub steps and 15,000 templates. And, you know, I'm exaggerating for effect here. <laughs> and it's run in a, in a, a certain way to ensure, you know, at one end compliance, which protects the business and protects the individuals, but at the other end, make sure that you get a good commercial outcome. And those situations tend to be a bit more difficult because not only are you introducing a new tool, but you're often introducing a new process, a digital first process where you don't need as many steps. You do more co-creation. You know, you've got to trust the software to recommend something because that's what's happening a lot. You know what I mean? You know, you have to go, yes, I trust it. And that requires a new way of working, but also a new mindset from the procurement individuals that are doing that. And that, that change management. In some instances, people just do it straight away in other instances it's just the time they need to take to do that whilst by the way procurement has still got a huge day job to do that's probably the biggest challenge is doing the day job yes very much so and you know adopting new technologies on behalf of the business is one component of that but then maybe looking at the explosion of software inside most organizations you know, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I believe that any fundamentally distributed category inside any organization is the biggest opportunity for procurement to drive value, centralized strategy, and really be able to help organizations innovate faster. So the advent of software as a service and that becoming completely democratized, IT no longer owns everything, is the biggest opportunity for procurement practitioners that I've seen in my lifetime. So maybe talk a little bit about that. What do you see the opportunity for procurement to really take on more ownership, accountability, and get that seat at the table around the very important and expensive category of software inside most organizations? I'd agree. I mean, interesting enough, just came off the call before now, and it's relatively unusual, but it's a CPO, a global insurance company, and they look after software asset management. So what you are seeing is that much like, say, facilities management, logistics and other areas, that is often basically managed by procurement. My own personal view is it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter where it sits. You know, it's more about making sure that the enablement is done the right way. You know, you get the speed, you get the agility of process as well as 
basically that ability to democratize and um, what's what's happening as well because the implications of not doing it are more significant ironically you know you you can end up with subpar decisions in terms of selection and ongoing management and probably expose yourself to more risk if you don't do it and that risk can be very very obvious with regards to whether it's cybersecurity or otherwise all the way through to talent leaving the organization because you're not digital yeah you know fundamentally here as much that uh, cpos are saying i need to be digital not just because of what they want in terms of the better outcome but because they know that for the organization of the future and to attract and retain talent they need to be digital as well yeah 100% i like the way you phrase that you know we talk to a lot of folks on the podcast a lot of practitioners a lot of folks that are tangential to the space as well and i think you've got an interesting perspective on this but most organizations have these oh shit moments where the chaos of tooling throughout the organization becomes untenable or an internal audit looking at maybe it's pre-IPO activities, or maybe you're a large enterprise that is auditing your own internal governance and controls. And when they get to software and specifically SaaS, that is typically when they have that oh shit moment that everything is kind of out of control and they need to bring order back to that chaos. As you, from your seat, you know, there's a lot of mistakes made in SaaS, but you've got a unique perspective here. What's the most common mistake you see when corporates are looking to innovate and implement and run with new SaaS technologies? A couple of things, and um, a little bit of it comes back to what I mentioned at the start here about you know the match and scale, where I can't remember who said it, but um, there's this line that exists where basically what you need is out there and things just aren't equally distributed. You know what I mean? Um, but it's the same with procurement. You know, solutions exist out there, but people are just not finding the right match. They're not taking the time to find the right match, and they're not taking the time to find uh, to scale. Big mistakes that we see that are linked around that is that basically organizations, you know, will spend a lot of time selecting solutions when they don't need to. And every day that they go through selecting solutions, they're losing you know, thousands of pounds or basically exposing themselves to more risk. And as I talk now, I kind of think about that a little bit more. And part of it's because of the lack of individual, I'm going to say accountability, but people feeling safe enough to make a decision on themselves, to work in an agile way, to make a decision and or they can't make the decision to delegate it or to escalate it. So we find, you know, we go through selection processes, which we think can take seven weeks and it takes seven months and there's lost value, there's increased risk exposure, lost talent, you know, and time um, in that mix. Whatever we do, we try and, you know, we introduce the accelerator, the first of its kind in the industry, you know, to basically just say, look, you can go at speed with the same level of rigor with a better outcome. So let's do it. Yeah, that's been a fun program to be a part of, the Accelerator. Really meeting those corporates with innovative technologies and co-creating, which you mentioned earlier, co-creating an outcome that not only fits for the emerging technology, but also solves a very real business need in the corporate space. So it's a great program. And organizations are looking to base the corporates are looking to see how can they create cohorts of 
digital solutions or just general solutions that can continue to build that innovation. Because that's one of the things that is a criticism of a lot of the bigger organizations is they fail to continue to innovate. I mean, the digital solutions, they slow down for one reason or another. And that, you know, it's because it's been one of the main reasons why you've seen the explosion of not just SaaS solutions in procurement, but across the board. Well, you've also got a perspective, you know, Zyla, we're here in the United States. You spend a lot of time over in, in Europe with corporates, large corporates over there. So talking about where we're at right now, the current economic climate, cost reduction being a focus, responsible growth and profitability, kind of a two-part question. You know, how does the economy right now playing into different procurement strategies and maybe any differences that you're seeing between the US and Europe and did Europe really kind of just get a head start on reacting to this environment or is it still playing out there? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think what we've all felt through the pandemic and various supply chain challenges and now economical challenges is the necessity to focus on what's core to you and your particular environment. And beyond the cost and risk, then it's, okay, well, is it sustainability because that's part of your agenda or USP or is it a particular category of spend, we do see a difference between the you know US and Europe and Asia in terms of the evolution of digital solutions as well. You know, in many of the conversations I've had with my you know, other sort of digital procurement kind of experts, you know, there's kind of a an observation that the European market is in certain areas, you know, Germany, the UK is is slightly more mature. And, you know, basically more embracing of some of the digital solutions. But then I think if, once you go to particular cities or regions in the US, you maybe get the same, but it's more spread um, in the Americas. There are subtle differences. A few different things that at play, both on the demand and the supply side for the digital procurement space. I love the global view that you and ProcureTech have, you know, and talking about ProcureTech's kind of perspective on this area, you guys released a 2023 ProcureTech predictions and purpose report, really looking at what those predictions are as we head into 2023. Maybe talk about some of those high-level predictions that you have within the procurement space as it relates to innovation and growth around internal capabilities as well as external capabilities within each organization. That was quite, it was a bit of fun to be quite honest. So, um, yes, with, with, you know, six different panelists and all the data, we identified the ProcureTech 100, but then we kind of thought, well, who better to ask than that group to say, well, what's trending, um, fastest and hardest? And so we asked them to give their predictions and then we ran a webinar and the attendees, over a hundred people on the webinar voted. So you got that nice blend of Xylo and others giving predictions and then, and then all the people on the webinar saying, well, yeah, we think that's a good prediction and came out with the kind of the, the top 10. But last year, the predictions were, were spot on. When we ran them last year, there were 80% of them were right and the, and the 20% that weren't, weren't far off. So that combination gives a kind of a, a pretty good sort of glass ball view on what's coming forwards. Um, what we see, I mean, we see, a few trends um, happening that we tend to look at them at a little bit more macro level, you know, whether as this move more towards a, a best of all digital procurement um, ecosystem. So rather than having a single suite going to a best of breed and 
a backbone solution. We see that basically move towards a, a view of interface to database. So a lot of people just talk about apps, you know, they'll talk about, talk about Xylo, they'll talk about Sivo, they'll talk about, you know, and, and, and. But fundamentally, you've got to look at the interface. So what the user uses all the way through to the app layer, to the data layer, to the architecture that sits behind that and supports it as well and ties that, that all together. We also see a continued supply and demand a balance coming through. As I mentioned earlier on, if you were looking for a particular solution five, 10 years ago, you couldn't find it. Now you can probably find it. And if you can't find it, you can build it Yeah, pretty quickly with you know, the more innovative digital solutions as well. And you know, so there's a, there's a few other things that are kind of evolving that space. But um, the good thing is, you know, people like your fine selves are kind of rising to the challenge, as it were. <laughs> Well, I think with an 80% hit rate last year, folks are going to want to check that out. We'll definitely provide it in the links here. But that is the 2023 ProcureTech predictions and purpose. You know, kind of jumping off of that, maybe one of those last questions, you know, around procurement and, you know, getting a seat at the table. One of our previous guests on an episode mentioned that procurement needs to be creating the table rather than just getting a seat at the table. And that's a consistent theme when we talk to procurement organizations that fight for relevance. Part of my founding story launching Xylo was this was the biggest opportunity to really increase the importance and the visibility of what procurement is doing. So what advice would you give to procurement professionals today to help elevate their leadership within their own organizations? It's a Question that divides, I think, this one in a funny kind of way. Simple question, but also divides. Cause I often think if you're trying to fight for table at the organization, then it's the wrong organization, unless that's what you've been invited in to do by the CEO, you know, because if you're trying to fight for it, then, and you're passionate about it, then you could probably go into another organization where there's a table already there or they want the table kind of reshaped or a little bit built or something similar, they know how important procurement is. Now, granted, you know, procurement is going through transformation and you could always say it's the challenge, but, you know, you can spend two, three years trying to um, do something and the organization just doesn't make the change. A couple of other perspectives on this, and um, it's an interesting one, is that I've seen you know, peers of mine who've followed more of a, a CPO path through their career where they've only been in the organization for two months and then they've gone, right, I'm out. And from the outside in, you can kind of go, wow, the organization didn't like him. He's had to leave. Uh-huh. As in reality, with the one or two people I know, they've left because you know, what they've been sold wasn't what they got when they got in through the door. And so there's that side of things. The other side, which I think is um, a sign of a, a very strong organization, but also strong uh, CPO, is if CPO has managed to go through several transformation rounds. A typical transformation is two, three years. You know, if you're lucky, you catch tailwinds and it's 18 months. But in reality, it's two, three years to make the transformation. The real sort of rock star CPOs, we like to say, go through a couple of generational changes. The first one is, I'm not to say it's easy, but it's, you know, it's a rite of passage for a good CPO. But a, but a great CPO does multiple within the same organization, takes them through a number of different changes and enable, and is able to shift that transformation so it's also aligned with where the organization's going as well. 
So maybe a slightly different perspective on, you know, maybe it's not a seat they need to build. It's maybe a rocket ship or some other analogy (laughs) from planet to planet, you know? That perspective is great. Inspiring the next generation of CPOs to drive a positive impact that moves procurement forward via digital technology, as well as just the change of kind of historical procurement responsibilities and the nature of procurement in most organizations trying to continue to elevate that to do the right thing for organizations. Right now, there's never been a better opportunity for that. This has been a really interesting conversation, one that your perspective, I think it provides a lot of supplementary detail around the practitioner view and the industry analyst view and some of the folks that we've talked to on the podcast. This has been really, really great. We're going to go ahead and close out the episode in our traditional manner with our rapid fire segment. I'm going to walk through a few different quick points and I'd love your fast reaction to each of those. Could be a word, could be a quick sentence, but just your initial reaction to each one of these. You ready to have some fun? Yeah, go for it. Go on, Cody. Okay. The first one is enterprise innovation and the future of procurement. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. I'm all all in on enterprise innovation. Yeah, every shape and form. All in is the perfect way to encapsulate that. That's the one that I thought, you know, this is a really big concept. Let's see if Lance can just boil that down into one thought and all in is perfection. I'd love to know your favorite procurement-related solution. Maybe it's historical. Maybe it's something now. What's that favorite uh, digital technology that procurement uses or builds around? Bit of a cop-out here. Chat GPT. Oh, yeah. Chat procurement technology. You know, if people aren't using that in every single day, then they're missing out. And if it's not being built into solutions in using large language modules, now, kind of on the fun side, what is your favorite cocktail? So I love a um, either a good glass of rum and Coke. Oh, yeah. Rum first and Coke. And I'll you know, tend to go a little bit sort of everything from the president to others through to any lime-based cocktail. Perfect. Any lime-based cocktail. Just make sure it's got that. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last question. Your favorite snowboarding location where have you been that's your favorite spot i'm going to give you two here one is um, where i've just been in tamorzine and favorite because you know basically it's a spot we go to quite regularly and it's more about the people we go with and the mountain and the fresh air that's really good about it and then i've been lucky enough to kind of go across to um utah where the powder was uh, just sublime Yes, Utah's gorgeous. Uh, the skiing is spectacular and uh, it's a great community out there. Lance, this has been so much fun. Your perspectives on digital procurement, you know, being the CEO and founder of uh, ProcureTech, really helping map large corporates to innovative technologies, building those use cases, thinking outside of a typical engagement structure to creating something that really helps enterprises move forward and innovative companies build their roadmap and hear from these enterprises is second to none. It's a phenomenal organization that you've built. Your thought leadership in the space is really pinpoint what people need to hear. And uh, you're lifting everyone up in the space. It's been fun watching you do it. And we can't thank you enough for jumping on the SAS Me Unfiltered podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. No, it's been great, Corey. And uh, yeah, it's great being part of the community with you and uh, a lot of other people as well. So thanks for having me. Did you enjoy the episode? 
pass it along to your friends. Subscribe to get notifications for the latest episode. Share your favorite takeaways and join the conversation on social media using hashtag SASMeUnfiltered. Unfiltered.